Hello, everybody, and welcome to Keep M Flying, a Firefly podcast. I am Paul Spataro. I am joined by Mr. Andrew Leyland. Hello, Keep Mal Flying. That's what we should call it. <laughs> we are joined by Shepherd Bill Robinson. What's in a box? <laughs> Ew. And our our mission statement is to get through the very difficult task of watching and reviewing every episode, every single one of the series Firefly. One could say it's arduous. One could. One wouldn't. But one and I'm could. actually using that correctly. Mm. You are. Yes, I am. I am very impressed. See, I've I've got my this is this is the new Dr. Bill's sexy voice that a lot of people have not heard yet. That got Scott Gard. Well, no, this no, this is not the sexy voice. That was the sexy voice the other night was much was much better the other night, wasn't it? When I read that email, God, you know, people, people will have heard your sexy email reading voice before they hear this. I think time wise, uh, I personally, uh, I'm not so uh, on board with the sexy Bill, but whatever. I thought I you. Know, were, Scott, I thought like you. I thought you were going to say that this is the sexy voice that only Scott Gardner hears. <laughs> I don't know. Scott was pretty enthralled with it. Well, when it's, I, it's the sexy voice that only Scott thinks is sexy. <laughs> hey. It's the sexy voice that wakes him up in a panic in the middle of the night. No, the one that wakes him up in, in a panic in, in the middle of the night is, Where are my keys in the morning? And the Chan says, you've got to find them. Have you hit my super suit? <laughs> Wait, it's a chance super suit. <laughs> oh, we're going to hell. <laughs> we're already the, my friend. Well, you know, at least I enjoy the company. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, that, that'll be the good thing about going to hell. All my friends will be there. Yes. <laughs> at least I won't be lonely. So today we're reviewing episode number 12 of Firefly, The Message. This aired on July 15th, 2003. On wow. sci-fi, not on Fox. Yeah, this was one of the episodes that Fox didn't air. So this was cancelled before this came out? Yep, these, this last week's episode that we did trash this one, and next week's episode didn't air on Fox. And this was the episode they were filming when they got the cancellation notice. Hmm. Stupid fox. This note I have said that this was the was the last um, episode filmed, and um, also that the music at the end of the show was uh, rather poignant, as it was a it was a farewell to the series as well. Hmm. Well, we have two more episodes after this, plus the movie. So three more, plus we may do a feedback episode if we ever actually get feedback. <laughs> And then who knows what other projects we'll move on to as I wring my hands maniacally. <laughs> I, I, I have seriously considered getting together with Dr. Bill and Professor Allen when the Gilmore Girls reunion movies happen on Netflix. Because Woo-hoo! we are all comfortable enough in our masculinity that we can all say that we are Team Gilmore. Hey, those women were hot. Mom, I, will grant you, I will grant you the hotness of the girls. <laughs> but I've never, I've never seen the show, so... What can I tell you? I will have to just listen to the wisdom of that trio. I often turn to my wife and say, why can't you be more like her? Why can't you be like... Does she never turn to you and say, why are you not more like Luke? (laughs) 
Yes, helpful around the house, gets things done, <laughs> handy with his, his tools. Yeah, anything but. <laughs> Be like, call somebody. I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but this is not a Gilmore Girls podcast. It is not. So what Firefly news do we have? Uh, they have announced that there is going to be another Firefly comic. Serenity. Well, that's, that's actually real news. <laughs> yeah, that's actually real news. Yeah, It's going to be a Serenity comic, obviously, because the license is now Serenity, not Firefly. So um, that's coming soon. And this they, they all now take place after the film. So these are now in-canon official continuation adventures that Joss Whedon oversees. And I believe some of them are even written by people that wrote for the show. So. Mm. Oh, that could could be worth pursuing. We'll mm. see. I haven't looked at the. So, are the other ones that were put out are they unofficial? No, no they're all they're all uh, they're all overseen by Weed. What I meant by that is these are continuations from the movie because it doesn't look like we're going to get a continuation of the movie. So right. I think they have done a couple. Oh, I, I right because the other ones were. Post Firefly, pre Serenity movie. Yeah, but I think we have gotcha. had a mini series post Serenity at this point. But the, I know there was one about Shepherd Book, and there's, there's been another couple of mini series as well. But I've not read any of the post Serenity ones, apart from the free comic book day one that came out this uh, this past May, which had quite a surprise in it for me because I hadn't read any of the others. Oh, I don't. I didn't get that. Hmm. Well, I guess we probably can't discuss it yet. I I, I could say what it is without it ruining it for Paul, but let's not take the chance. Right. Now, we can can talk comics after we get past the movie. Yeah. We'll we'll table that discussion for another time. Indeed. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. But in the meanwhile... Meanwhile, on the Super Serenity, (laughs) the crew (laughs) receives a mysterious box. Uh, this episode That's why I should read the synopsis. Huh? I should read the synopsis like that. If you'd like. The show opens on a space station. You're, you're like the uh, William Conrad of uh, Keep Him Flying. <laughs> hey, why do I gotta be fat? Alright, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm playing to part. Yes, I'm, I'm playing to my strength, I guess. Alright, so. The show opens on a space station. And a partner installing an exhibit featuring proof of alien life. Inside the exhibit, Simon and Kaylee stare at a tall illuminated cylinder that holds a strange and apparently dead creature. What do you think? That's my uh, narrator voice. Thank you, Ted Knight. Meanwhile, in the halls of justice... (laughs) Uh, okay. (laughs) The doctor declares that it is a mutated cow fetus, not an alien. Simon uses this moment alone with the engineer to attempt to get closer to her. But when he mentions that the other woman he knows, other women he knows, are either married, Zoe, professional, Anara, or related to him, River, Kaylee leaves in a huff. As Kaylee departs, Zoe and Wash enter. Back in the concourse, Anara tries to convince Mal to let her help fence the Lassiter he stole in trash. But Mal insists on keeping her out of that side of the business. Mal checks in with the station postmaster, who passes along two packages along with Serenity's mail. Jane arrives to find that his mother has sent him a home-knitted cap, and he proudly dons it. 
The others observe the headgear with a mixture of amusement and sarcasm. The other shipped item is a huge crate addressed to Mal and Zoe. They open it to discover a dead body, the corpse of Private Tracy. Flashback to seven years earlier at the Battle of Dukang. As a young independent soldier, Private Tracy calmly prepares a meal behind cover. An Alliance soldier sneaks up on him. Just as the latter is about to shoot, Zoe appears behind him and cuts his throat. While she lectures the boy about stealth, Sergeant Reynolds comes out screaming over some obstacles and crashes into their position. Tracy is injured when the Alliance zeroes in on him. Mal and Zoe grab Tracy and their shell-shocked lieutenant and bug out. Back in the present, the two ex-soldiers puzzle over the decently preserved corpse of their former comrade. Hauling the box aboard Serenity, they find a recorded message from Tracy. He apparently anticipated trouble from some unsavory associates and has asked them to ship his body home to St. Albans. Finishing the message with an old saying from the war, when you can't run anymore, you crawl. And when you can't do that, well, you, you, yeah, you know the rest. Back on the station, an Alliance soldier, Lieutenant Womack, threatens first to imprison, then to burn to death the postmaster, who quickly tells the man and his aide who left with the body, the encoffined body. On Serenity, Mal and Zoe entertain Inara with a hilarious tale about Tracy's antics during the war, such as when he stole an officer's mustache and stuck it on his face. Suddenly, the ship is shaken by a warning shot from an Alliance craft. Lieutenant Womack hails them and demands to board Serenity. The crew mistakenly think that Womack is after the Lassiter. When Womack mentions the crate, however, Mal realizes he's after Tracy's box and stalls for time while they take apart the crate to discover what secrets it might contain. Finding nothing, they decide to have Simon autopsy the hapless soldier, but the doctor's first incision causes the dead man to leap up and struggle with the gathered crew. After he calms down, Tracy confesses that he's smuggling illegal internal organs. He was supposed to deliver the implanted organs on Ariel, but he got a higher bid. Unfortunately for him, the original buyers killed the new customer and are now after their stolen merchandise. Another shot from Womack reminds them of their immediate peril. After a brief pursuit, the Alliance ship finally catches up with them. Book does some checking on their Alliance pursuers and discovers some anomalous behavior, and he recommends to Mal that they allow the feds to board the ship. Tracy overhears some of this conversation and pulls a gun on the crew. Annoyed at Tracy, Mal orders Wash to call the feds. As Tracy fires at Wash, Zoe shoots him in the chest, injuring him but not killing him. Lieutenant Womack and his men enter the cargo bay. He tries to cow the smugglers with his Alliance authority, but an unarmed book arrives to explain why he won't be using that authority, given the pains he's taken to keep his extracurricular organ activity, dealing activity from the local feds. Faced with a surprisingly direct threat of death from the preacher, Womack decides to depart, dismissing the damaged goods in Tracy's gravely wounded chest. Tracy belatedly realized is that Book's confrontation was part of the plan, one that he ruined by threatening the crew and getting himself shot for his efforts. Mortally wounded, he asks Hal and Zoe to really deliver him home. This time, they agree, finishing the earliest saying, when you can't crawl anymore, you find someone to carry you. Excerpts from Tracy's message can be heard as the crew of Serenity solemnly returns the fallen soldier to his grieving family.
I may go against the grain a little bit on this one because while I liked it, I don't think I liked it as much as I was supposed to. I don't think Tracy was as compelling of a character as they wanted me to feel. I thought the character was compelling. I thought the actor didn't really pull it off. <laughs> I don't think he was as charismatic as they wanted him to be. And this- and, and I felt kind of like we, you know, and this is, again, with the hindsight of knowing that the show doesn't last much longer. I didn't want to waste an episode focusing on a character that I know isn't part of the main cast. I really want to focus on the main cast because I know how how little of them we have coming. So I was I liked it, but I was disappointed by it. It really didn't totally enthrall me. This actor, um, he's been on other Josh Whedon shows. He was on Buffy and he was on Angel. And um, I don't think the actor is bad, but the character he played on Angel, oh, what he does to another main character makes me just so when I see this guy, I'm like, Ugh, you, I guess he was a bad guy. on Angel. Well, uh, that's depends on your point of view from a certain point of, point of view. Yeah, I don't know. Spoilers, I guess, for Angel. Are you going to watch Angel, Paul? I I don't know, honestly. I, oh, okay. the time may come, but I'm well, I guess we've kind of spoiled something he's going to do. Let's just say that he puts a main character in a predicament, and that it drastically changes that main character's. Um, well, yeah, yeah, it really, he really screws things up, and it's it's very heartbreaking. Very, it's like you. So uh, I've got a little bit of baggage with that, and there's he seems a, a well enough actor, but there's something about his delivery that I, I find funny, yeah. just odd. I don't know if that's me or Andy. What say you? Uh, I really like this one. <laughs> Sorry. Um, oh, I'm, think... a, I'm just talking about the actor. All oh, right, right. Um, you're just talking about Jonathan Woodward, right? Yeah, he's he's hissable because of what he did in Angel. That's true. Um, I think we we'll, we do learn about the main characters through him. We get a lot more about Mal and Zoe in the army and what they were like. Uh, yes, the, the fight scene is a bit low budget, but we do learn a bit more about what their time in the army was like and what they were like as leaders. Now, I suppose you could argue this isn't new. It's just adding shade into what we already know, which is fine. But I, I genuinely found this one entertaining and it whizzed by its 44 minutes again, like most of the other episodes have, have had. I think the problems that you, you may be having, Paul, is is the, the companion does say that Tim Minear directed this and Joss and Tim Minear wrote it. And Minear does say in this that they didn't have a story. They had a collection of scenes that they knew they wanted to do. And he ended up on the first day of filming shooting a scene that Joss Whedon had only wrote the night before based on a conversation about a scene they wanted to see. And therefore, Minear just went through the directing process just as they both wrote the show. And he doesn't think it all comes together as well as it could. He thinks it's a collection of really good moments that never quite gels into a cohesive story. And maybe that's coming through slightly in the viewing, but I I really like this one and I do find it funny. 
I do well, think that the, the guest. It's okay. I do think that the guest appearance by um, Richard Berger. He's a bit of a, a, a black hat. There's not really a lot of ambiguity to his performance. Although it's always interesting to see him because he was the man who would have been the Flash. It was down to him and John Wesley Ship, and John Wesley Ship got it. So I like him as an actor. I just don't think he's got a lot of depth in this particular episode. Uh, but the dialogue's funny. The scenes move along at a good clip. There is some interesting character moments in that that um, Tracy develops a fondness for Kaylee, which instantly puts him on both Simon and um, Jane's radar. And I I felt as an episode it was enjoyable, if not exactly top tier, considering that Tim Minear and Joss Whedon wrote it and directed it. I... I can go with the thought of a bunch of scenes put together, kind of shoehorned together a little bit, and that the overall structure doesn't totally have that cohesiveness. But like I said, I, I, I think some of my disappointment is that we're focusing so much on a character that's not going to be critical going forward. I did like – I liked the scene with Kaylee and, and Simon – I thought that was kind of cool, the the awkwardness he feels and kind of putting his foot in his mouth. And you kind of understand both of the sides of that one, the little, little romantic tension that they've got going on there. Uh, I love the scene when Zoe's talking about being stealthy and Mal comes in screaming. <laughs> I, I just, I, that cracked me up when I, when they showed that. And I, I enjoyed the scene when, when they're talking back about uh, the whole, when he's telling the story about the mustache and everything. I thought it was very entertaining, and it kind of shows you, you know, their their affection for for the character. But on a whole, like I said, something just kind of left me a little flat. And and part of it is this guy seems to be fairly streetwise. And why would he trust that they're actually going to put his real organs back in him? Because I think that's the first thought that anybody would have is that you know they're going to they're going to harvest the organs that they're sending over and they're going to just let him die. <laughs> well, he probably was his. I mean, maybe his plan was all along to go to a higher bidder, and maybe you know, and then hope in the hopes of getting some other replacement organs or something. I I, I don't know. See, my understanding was that he was going to die. He was doing this for his parents. I kind of got, got got that too, but I still think that he was still going to live, though. But I I, yeah, I don't think he intended to die. I don't think he was committing suicide, and and you know, I don't think this was this was intended to be a suicide mission. Mm. I think he expected, you know, he said he expected to be revived, and they were going to put his organs back in. Yeah, that's taken an awful lot on trust on his part, isn't it? That's what I'm saying, and 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 it just didn't feel right that he would do that because. Mm. Again, like I said, he seemed too streetwise to do that. So, but then again, maybe he's not that smart because he says that since the war, he's just kind of been, you know, hasn't really been able to make it at anything. Yeah, I suppose there's a nice, interesting, there's a nice, interesting thread running through the entire episode about how do you adjust to civilian life after you've been in a war, and we've basically mm. seen that Mal and Zoe kind of still fight that war. That's how they survive, just on their own terms. And Tracy's not been able to get back into living a civilian life. He, he's just drifting, is the idea that I got from the episode. Um, it, I think it's one of those things, it, it would have been nice if we could have seen him in an earlier show. 
in one of their other flashbacks to to the war, mm. if Tracy had been in that episode, I right, think this one would have carried more weight. Him. Yeah, rather than just being a done in one. Um, but I I understand why that didn't happen. Obviously, they were writing the show on the fly, especially this episode. Right. Well, it definitely would have made more of a shock reveal when they opened the crate and his body's in there. If they had yeah. shown him, if he'd had some poor, sh- you know, some shot in a mm. in a previous one. Yeah, I, I think that would have given it some more weight, and I think that would have given you more reason to be interested in what's going on. I think it's not, not that I wasn't interested, but it just, I, like I said, I didn't feel I didn't feel like I was enthralled with his character arc. Hmm. I think I was. I think it's the dialogue of the characters that serve this. I think Jane's hat is very very funny. Oh, I his, love Jane's hat. His line about well, what do you all order a dead guy for? <laughs> is exceptionally funny and the scene with Kaylee and Simon where Simon just puts his foot in it we've all done that so that just makes him eminently relatable see what, what Dr. Bill does is when he accidentally says something like that because we, like you said we've all accidentally said the wrong thing but he just does it in his sexy voice and the girls don't even notice <laughs> and that's how you get away with it is it Oh yes, yeah. Oh, okay, brilliant. And how you guys do it? And it's it, we've <laughs> oh say that again. Uh, well, hello. We've we've already learned from Buffy that one of the things Joss Whedon said: if you want to get the audience to dislike a character, you have him threaten Willow. And essentially, mm-hmm. Kaylee's the same rule in this. The minute they threaten Kaylee, we don't like him. And that's when he becomes a bad guy because Kaylee's just so guileless and so lovable that you can't not like her. So the fact that he does that to Kaylee is quite is the moment that he, he crosses the line. Um, but I still found the ending was Zoe just shoots him. I did find that quite surprising. She well because he, I think all right, yeah that is surprising. But he was going to shoot her husband. And you don't know where that shot's going to go. So I think as he went to shoot, she reflexively shot him. She reacted. She reacted. I don't think, you know, I don't, it, it was, she was protecting her own and war, war buddy or not, mm. she's going to protect her husband. No, I, I don't, I, I wasn't shocked that she did it. I mean, it was still a, it was a surprising moment in the show. It oh. wasn't. It wasn't something I saw coming. I. I. Well, expected... she didn't e- e- even have any remorse on her face after no. she did it. No, I, t- I mean, yeah, I expected is, Mal I mean... to do that, or well, Jane, which is perhaps why it was a surprise. Well, Mal, well, Mal shoots him again. Yeah, oh, yeah. He says, you know, he's, you know, well, they had that saying that uh, when they were back in the uh, uh, back in the battle scene, saying that someone out there is carrying a bullet for you. It's just a question of when it meets up with you, and then then he s- says to him. You know, he's like, what did he say? He's like, uh, you killed yourself. I just carried the bullet for a long, you know, yeah. for, for for a while. Which is pretty true. I mean, ultimately, that's, uh, you know, he did kill himself. He did force their hand. Yeah, because he overreacted when he when he only heard part of the conversation. But and that's probably a, a goes to his character, why he hasn't made it, because he's he doesn't think things through perhaps and Hmm. and and he didn't wait to see he didn't put his trust in mal because you know he says that he he was playing them because he said they were saps and they're they're i'll believe it honor and this that and he knew he could get them to help out and uh, that kind of backfired on him that that they that they were saps and they you, you know the very thing he says 
he now thinks that you know well they're going to turn him in just to save their hides and you know dump him but they were actually still going to get them all they were going to get them all out of this jam and he screwed it up for himself he killed himself Mm. yeah which is the crew if it were his thought that he was basically committing suicide then it wouldn't be quite the same tragedy but it is more of a tragedy, I think, if you if you take the thought that he thought he was going to survive this thing. On the other hand, he was never going to survive this thing. You, pe- people of the ilk that he would be selling these organs to were not going to give a shit about reviving him. No. Mm-hmm. As soon as they had the organs, they were, they were going to, you know. That, and that's the thing. That's one of the things that doesn't ring true for me is I, I don't feel like he was committing suicide or sacrificing himself. And yet, why would he trust that, you know, I think... Anybody would see that that the, the likelihood of his surviving this whole mission would be minimal, and I, I don't know. I find that a little bothersome. It just didn't ring true to me. It didn't feel right. The character moments I'm good with, so I, I kind of go with what you said, Andy. That you know they they had a bunch of things that they wanted to do, and they kind of tied them together into a script. But overall, in 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 some ways, for me, it fails. Mm. That's for I think there's there's a level of disappointment on this one as well, even though I do love it, in the sense that who was involved with making this one? It was written and directed by Whedon and Mania. So you kind of expect a little bit of higher quality from those, even though I do think this is a genuinely good one. What what was interesting, I thought, I don't know whether anyone else will think it interesting, is Bill and I had a bit of a conversation last night over the text that Whedon squeezes in the word trim and quim into this episode. And yet, when, I did see that. When, I when caught Quim, but I didn't hear Trim. Jane says it when um, him and Book oh, okay. are lifting weights. He says, you know, stuff like this makes me feel alive. I'll go out and get some Trim if there's a willing woman. And then R- Richard Bergie calls somebody a, a whining, ugly Quim. And there was a big kerfuffle about it when he said this in Avengers. But this seems to have slid people right by. Well, honestly, until Avengers... I was unfamiliar with the word quim. Well, I am very familiar with English porn, so I was... <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Never mind. I've I said can too much. honestly say, of all the porn I've watched, I've never seen it called a quim. Of all the porn I've watched, this was the most human. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was generally surprised he got away with that, and I, I'm equally surprised that the internet hasn't picked it apart. But as I said, it was only of interest to me, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a movie too, you know, uh, the Mighty yeah. Quim. Yeah. Oh wait, no, <laughs> no, that was a band, wasn't it? Come on, without, come on, within. You ain't seen nothing like my hurry quit. Oh, I need to stop. That. <laughs> wow, you you were a little further than I would have went. <laughs> and here I would thought you would have a nice little air landing strip going. <laughs> For serenity. This episode is not safe for children. Oh, I, you know, we should have more to discuss on this. What, what, what else is going on in this episode? I, 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 I think you're right. I don't think there is. I think there's a, it's a lot of humorous mo- lines. It's a lot of good character moments for a story that doesn't really do a lot. I mean, the, the big thing about this one is this is the one they were filming when the cancellation notice came in, and they were filming the funeral scene at the very end. 
and Greg Edmondson's theme at the end of this episode was his farewell to Firefly because this was the last episode that he scored and the fact that he got a final scene with no dialogue meant he could really just go balls out and and do a really dramatic and hauntingly beautiful piece of music for it which I think it is but the fact that they were all quite saddened that the show had been cancelled plays on the faces yeah and so, you have the last shot of Mal just turning and looking. Hmm. I mean, it's it's it is intriguing to me that, like we said, this was one of the episodes that Fox didn't. Uh, that when you watch these in order of the DVD release, now this isn't the last episode. There are two but more. This is the last episode up. that they filmed. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it, he's deliberately moved objects in space to be the last episode because Whedon felt that was a better last episode. An interesting trivia fact. I'm getting off of IMDb. The establishing shot of the Battle of Dukang is actually footage from the film Demolition Man. All right, brilliant. Its use here includes added laser fire and a ship flying across the screen. That's All an right. interesting thing I, I, wouldn't, I would not have thought. No, I wouldn't have noticed that either, but Demolition Man's a great movie. And, again, I'm looking at IMDb. There's a user review here where they gave it 10 stars. And in it, he says, uh, during a certain scene, there are four checkoff guns, a.k.a. four lines that pay off at the end literally and thematically via foreshadowing. It takes at least two viewing and some skill at analyzing art to spot all four of these guns. Once you recognize how every single line and even moment was selected as foreshadowing for the end, then you will appreciate this one of if... Excuse me, you will appreciate this as one of, if not the very best Firefly episode. Do they it's, list, do, wait, 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 do they list them? Should Andy and I try, try I haven't do, read they that. They do not list them. Oh. It says, unfortunately, most people today will not catch the well-hidden subtleties that Whedon and Minia injected into the script. So this episode will forever endure the tragedy of underappreciation. Uh, well, there's the obvious one, the the I line about the bullet. yeah, and then there's the other obvious one about what do you do when you can't walk? Well, you crawl, mm-hmm. and then you find somebody to carry you. So there's two. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying to think what the the third one would be. What does it say? Whereabouts in the beginning? I'm trying to think myself, and I'm not. I'm not because, coming up because with... I watched it again last night. Um... I mean, there's the hat. Richard Berge has the line, that hat that makes you look stupid, which is what everybody's clearly thinking as we go through the episode. I, I don't know if I'd call that setup and payoff, though, would you? No, no, I, I don't think that would be a Chekhov's gun. But, you know, different people have different opinions on mm. on that particular uh, topic. I'm not sure. I, I think I might have to do another viewing in order to catch up with that. I'm just looking at the, the uh, you know, the IMD... Uh, reviewers we got uh one two three four five six seven stars heartfelt and poignant we get 10 episodes 10 stars one of my favorite episodes and possibly the best one i will say i will say that this one does burr up to repeated viewing an awful lot we we do have one that says the unholy trinity only three stars Cons, one of the biggest problems is Kaylee's immediate adoration and love for the corpse. She knows next to nothing, and now she's into him. They share about two or three minutes on screen, and nothing comes of it. It was clear at first Whedon wanted a love triangle, but dear Lord, did that concept die in the hull. Simon clearly was written out of character, and now he's a background character to a plot that should have been 
about he and Kaylee's relationship. Instead, it's about Mal and Zoe learning their old ally is an asshole. We get arc words which play out in the story, which isn't bad, but again, Whedon clearly wanted a love triangle because the last scene is Kaylee handing over a recording of Tracy and she's all upset, ugh. Kaylee, sweetheart, he held a Gorin gun to your head. He clearly isn't into you. Hey, he apologized. <laughs> I didn't get that at all. I think what Kaylee was seeing though was somebody who was young and dead and that affected her. And then the mm. message home, she's always been the person who wears a heart on her sleeve. I don't think she fell in love with a corpse. I think she I fell think in love with wasted life. Him. Yeah. I don't think she fell in love with him, but I think Tracy, uh, Tracy, I think Kaylee is romantic in her views. Mm. So when they were sitting there telling stories about Tracy when they thought he was dead, I think she found his personality, his character, you know, the stories about him to be attractive and then when she met him i think she might have been attracted to him i don't think she was in love with him Mm. and then i think she was sad over his passing and that also goes to the romantic nature of of her character she'd be more emotional than the average person just because that's her nature Mm. so yeah yeah, i don't think she was in love with him i don't think there was truly a love triangle and i don't think simon was written out of character i think he is clumsy in how he speaks he's not used to you know, he, he's he's socially inept a little bit. Well, he actually has that line to Zoe at the beginning. This may come as a surprise to you, but I, I don't talk very well to women. And Zoe just looks at him with that, really? That That is a surprise to him. Yeah. I, I think that's that's in character. And and as you said, Andy, we, we've all had moments talking to people of the opposite sex and saying something and trying to be clever or, or you know, yeah. endearing. And then afterwards thinking, what the hell did I say that for? I'm an idiot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think everybody's had that moment. If you haven't had that moment, hats off to you. Yeah, if we're lucky, they still stick around after we put our feet in it. So, and then we have allowing potholes for a forced sad story. I don't agree a horrible with that at all. blemish on a magnificent series. <sighs> I want to look at this one just because he's so critical in the title. This episode is a horrible blemish on a wonderful series that is Firefly. The action revolves around a panicky passenger misunderstanding a plan that Mal and Book agree on. Tracy believes that Mal intends to turn him over to the Alliance police and grabs a gun and a hostage and soon ends up up dead from shots by Zoe and Mal. For mysterious reasons, neither Mal, Book, Wash, or Zoe ever make the slightest effort to explain things to Tracy. Yet that kind of... Stood out too. I, I have to agree with that. They didn't have when, time. I was just going to say when he was holding well, as a yeah. captive, they could have said, "You don't, you don't get it. This, you know, we're not really giving up here." I don't, I don't think he gave them that option. I, I, I disagree with that as a criticism. Um, Tracy only hears the back half of a conversation for a start, which always leads to comedy hijinks in every sitcom you've ever watched. But in this particular instance, he doesn't know the relationship Mal and Book have. He doesn't know the unspoken subtext of what is going on in that conversation. So he immediately leaps to the conclusion they're just going to turn him over and save their own skin. He immediately runs off and puts a gun to Kaylee's head. That's not the time for them to say, now let's have a nice chat about this. And as as Bill mentioned earlier on, he's starting to aim at Wash, which puts Zoe in a reactive setting, in a reactive mood. I, I don't think this was one of those situations where they had time to explain it to him. He, they may he not have goes off half But I, I would have liked to have at least seen an effort. Hmm. 
Well, I think Mal just, 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 just wait. Maybe, you don't understand. That's all. That that's alone. Not, that's not Mal's character. It doesn't have to be Mal saying it. Well, but maybe Mal is. It could have been Mal and Book are the only two. It, it could have been, you know, I mean, it could have been anything. I guess I don't think Wash would talk to him like that in that or situation. Or it could have been Zoe saying, I don't know. It's, somebody could have said something before she shot. Well, if they just well, said before, before he even grabbed before he even grabbed Wash, because then, like you said, that put her in the reactive mode. So I have no problem with her acting instinctively at that moment. So if somebody had just said, "You need to trust us," something, any line like that, I think would have been enough. And he'd have just grabbed Kaylee anyway and said, "No, I don't. I I need this to go my way." Uh, I suppose they could have squeezed in another extra line. I disagree that that the entire plot revolves around that bit, though. Oh yeah, no, that I I agree with you. It's the, I mean, the plot doesn't. It's it's not just the the ending isn't the whole plot. No, you know, there's more going on there, and and I, I think ultimately the the goal of this episode was to revisit the alliance and and their times there and show how they've. You know they've been together, and you know I, I don't think uh, I, I think that that it was more an attempt at character moments and not a strong enough effort to put the story as as front and center as maybe it needed to be. Hmm. I think that comes back to him not writing it out in advance. I mean, the fact that it works as well as it does is a testament to their professionalism. And like I said, this one does play better on repeated viewings. Well, this one did take me two viewings to get through it. I did have to stop and come back to it. I, I wasn't uh, enthralled and had the 45 minutes go by in the blink of an eye like you did, I have mm. to admit. But now you've seen it before. I never did. So yeah. maybe that is the difference. Yeah. Maybe if is. I would have put it on again tomorrow, it would be fine. Mm. Very possibly. But, you know, that, that's, that is part of our, our, our mission statement on this show. Is you know the part of the idea is I'm watching it for the first time, mm. so I'm giving a slightly different perspective from you guys who, you know, lived with this for whatever it is, uh, 14 years now. God, that's a long time. It's been a long, 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 long time. I'm, been I'm a really long glad you road. sang. You decided to sing the Beatles and not get it from <laughs> there. Enterprise, but then. <laughs> then Andy had to drag us into Enterprise. <laughs> hey, that's because I've just been watching it on Netflix. The American like the sings the English tune. <laughs> I like the, the English guy sings. Surprise, the I do not like the song. No, well, one of the advantages of I just googled best episodes, and apparently it says you have to watch all of season three. So I've just been watching the good ones from series one and two. And the great thing about Netflix is I can just skip the credits. Mm. Is is season three this indie season? Apparently so. Yeah. Oh, you you haven't seen it? No, I stopped watching Enterprise at the back end of season one. Never went back to it. So I've watched like the five or six good ones in season one. I've just watched the Cogenitor, which is one of the five or six good ones from season two, and then I'll start season three. You should, if you're going to watch all of season three, watch the last episode of season two because it kind of leaves off on a cliffhanger. Oh, I normally watch the season finale, so yeah, I'll, I'll watch that one as well. But it, it it gives you a completely different perspective on the series when you only watch the good episodes. <laughs> I like Enterprise. I, I thought it was a good series. I do now. But this is not an Enterprise show. No. no, no. There's an alternate universe out there where we do do an Enterprise show. In, in that one, I have a goatee. <laughs> Wait. And I wear that sexy costume with the midriff showing. 
<laughs> okay, and I'm th- and I'm skinny. And a bastard. And you have a scar on your face. What? Why do I have to scar? What? 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 Everybody <laughs> has to have a scar in the mirror universe. Do you know nothing? How about an appendix scar? Oh, all right then. Why, is it, why, why, why does it have to be on my face? Well, well in that case, oh, you, it's, you it's have to wear the dress with the revealing scar. midriff if you've got an <laughs> what, appendix what? scar. Well, what color is it? Well, your scar or the dress. Both. They have to match if I have an exposed Well, if you've midriff. got an appendix scar that'll presumably be red, you'll have to wear a red dress. Ooh. Oh, my. <laughs> See, in, in that universe, being fat is, is considered to be good-looking. And, and we're all thin. <laughs> Look at those ugly, thin people. Oh, oh manja, manja. <laughs> Mirror universe, Dr. Bill. You go to a diet <laughs> clinic and they just feed you carbs. <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, dear. Anyway, should we rate this one? Uh, I just had one other little notation, um, and that was uh, when they pick up <clears throat> when they pick Tracy's box up at the station, and Book tries to help him, and both Zoe and Mal just kind of look at him like, "No, we got this." And he's like, "No, really, he's like, we got this." It, it was just a nice little touch. It was it was like like you said, there's like a lot of little scenes in here that kind of link all together and that was another one of those little scenes and also there was a note here on the on the wikipedia thing and it was talking about i was wondering about this okay it says in the dvd audio commentary for the episode a joke is made about how the postmaster is apparently the only jew in space calling him a space jew or spaju for short it never hit me that he was jewish and i don't know if they're like i thought this his hat although it looks like a yarmulke I thought maybe it was a part of his uniform, but I don't know if maybe they're ma- making the joke. Maybe it was, and they're just making a joke, mm. saying he was the only Jew we see on the show, possibly. Did you guys even pick up on that on the hat and the uniform? <laughs> not at all. No, I did not. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you could... Man, never mind. I'll just stop myself before I stick my foot down my throat. <laughs> Your skinny foot. Anyway, um, like I said, I was a little disappointed by this one. Uh, And a lot of it was just the focus on Tracy instead of focusing on everybody else who I'm kind of more interested in following right now. I hadn't really considered the aspect of the script being disjointed because of the way it was written. And uh, I think that goes to explain a lot of what left me a little cold on it. Because there were some very good moments in it. I liked the opening scene with, uh, with Simon and, and Kaylee. I liked, I liked this, the flashback when, when, when Mal comes running in screaming after they talk about stealth. Uh, I liked the scene when they're talking about the prior history with Tracy. I liked Zoe's reaction and the way she she never totally warmed up to him. There was always something about her that she seemed like she wasn't totally thrilled, whereas Mal was kind of more accepting of him right from the start when he, when he, you know, when he re- was revived. She, she always seemed just slightly standoffish. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of good character moments there. The story didn't totally make sense to me. Again, I, I can't see him putting himself in this position. And I didn't see him as the type of person who was going to sacrifice himself to provide for his family. 
So it, it just didn't ring true to me. Uh, I went back and forth. I vacillated on this one between a 3.0 and a 3.5. And I'm going to err on the side of being slightly more generous, and I'm going to say 3.5. Okay. Bill? I would give this um, – I don't know. See, it, you kind of uh, swung me back a little bit, Paul, because I hadn't really – I think I had a little bit higher rating for this than – but now, at first, I think I was going to give it like a – close to a four but uh i still like it though so i i think you're only going to drop me down a uh, um 0.25 of a of a crate is that what we're going to do we're going to do crates for this we're going to do loot crates loot crates so <laughs> i'm only going to lose a... like if you got a dead body in it <laughs> <laughs> look at the size of this loot crate holy cow <laughs> So I'm going to give it a 3.75. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> My job. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go four because I, I do think it is one of those episodes that you go back and you watch it again and again and it, it holds up more to repeated viewing. But you're absolutely right, Paul. It is the character moments and the dialogue that elevate it more than the actual story. But I like it and I love that score at the end. So I would be willing to give it 0.5 just for that music at the end of the episode. Yeah, we didn't really talk too much about that music. It is kind of Sad. inspiring. Mm. Is that a good word? Yeah. It's a it's a lovely it's a lovely haunting piece of music to end the show on. Mm-hmm. Especially knowing now that this was the last episode they filmed, it makes it even more fitting. Indeed. Next time, our all-new episode of Keep 'Em Flying. It's the Little Whole House on the Prairie. Heart of Gold. Basically, the Firefly crew do the A-Team. Keep us searching for a heart of gold. <laughs> and I'm getting old. Oh. Dun, 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 dun. Keep on Flying, a Firefly podcast, is a Two True Freaks presentation. And it's hosted by Shepard Bill Robinson, Paul Spataro, and Andrew Leyland. All the music and sound clips used in the show is copyright Fox Broadcasting and is available to buy on the Firefly soundtrack by Greg Edmondson. If you like to buy that soundtrack, maybe you could do it through the Amazon link that is on the 2TrueFreaks.com website. It costs you nothing extra, but throws a few pennies in our tip jar, which helps us to continue to produce content like this. Every episode of Keep Flying is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. And remember, find a ship, find a crew, Keep flying.